Good morning, everyone. I am so glad to be here preaching this morning. And thank you. Amen. Thank you. Church family, thank you for all of your prayers and your cards and your kindnesses that you've shown me during this last month. And uh, I'm so glad to be in the pulpit today and to be preaching God's Word. And thank you for lifting me up in prayer. I felt your prayers. I continue to need them. And, uh, but we are on the way to mending and healing. I hit my head, if you don't know, and uh, caused a concussion and had some side effects from all of that. And so we're on the road to cut recovery. I told somebody they did an MRI, and the doctor said, we've got good news. We found a brain. There's one in there. It's small, but we found it. But anyway, we're on the road to mending and healing, and so thank you so much for your prayers. A couple of things I want to share with you this morning. First of all, Brother Jay and Audrey are at the hospital, and it looks like a baby is coming today for their family. And so we're excited about that. And so they should be uh, receiving a baby girl, and that will be just absolutely awesome for them and our whole church family as well. Amen? So today, I encourage you to look with me in your copy of God's Word and find Romans chapter number 13, and we're going to begin today with verse number 11. This is a part of, part of our reading guide for this week, and so uh, join with me in uh, Romans chapter number 13, and we'll begin with verse number 11. Besides this, since you know the time, it's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep, because now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is near, so let us discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk with decency as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Father in heaven, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this day from your word. Convict us, we pray, of our sin and our waywardness and our rebellion. Father, our lethargy, our apathy. Father, I pray that you would renew us today with a passion to pursue you, to know you, to live for you. Today, Father, I pray that you would also convince us that the most important endeavor of our life is to please you and to live for you. Today, Father, if there's someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray that today they would turn from their selfishness and sin 
and turn to Christ with faith and repentance and that God that they might know eternal life today. So Father, we ask you to speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. What time is it? What time is it? Time is near. Hmm. Paul said in Romans 13, since you know the time. What time is it, anyway, is the name of this, is the message title today. And so in the Bible, in the New Testament, there are two different words for time. One of those words is the word chronos. We know that word, right? So chronology, chronograph, we know chronos is time. And that is looking at the hour of time, the hour of the day. It is the calculation of time, whether it is the third hour or the sixth hour or the ninth hour. What time of the day is it? And the Bible often talked about the time. But then there's another use of the word time, and it's the word kairos. And that's the word that Paul uses here in Romans chapter 13. And that means the season, the moment, the opportunity, the times, of the epics, the time for decision, the age that we live in. When my oldest son was a little boy years ago, he was so just a precocious, active little boy who absolutely loved sports, and he loved playing ball with his dad, and I loved playing ball with him. And uh, it was just one of the great to play catch with each other, to play wiffle ball in the backyard. And he'd say, Dad, when you get home, are we going to play baseball? I said, yeah, we're going to play baseball. And from a little boy, he was a Cubs fan. You know, I, I, don't, I think he's saved, but he's a Cubs fan. And so, uh, and so when we lived up in Chicago, he became a Cubs fan, watched WGN, Harry Carey coming on singing. I'm a Bud man and a Cub man and a Bud man. And so I try to convince him not to be a Bud man. But anyway, he's a, he is a Cub fan. And so we would, he'd be the Cubs and I'd be the Cardinals. We'd play Imaginary ball games together. It was great fun. He said, Dad, what time you be home? And I said, when I get home, about 5.30, we're going to play baseball. He'd call me while I was at the office. Dad, what time is it? Is it 5.30? Not yet. 5.30, he didn't really care about the time. He cared about what we were going to do. There's something happening and coming, Paul says, and I want you to be aware of the time. What time is it? The Bible speaks about this, that of living for the Lord in this age. And we, there is this age in which we live, but there's an age to come. The kingdom age is here. The kingdom age is being established. The dawn and reign of the rule of God is inaugurated by Jesus Christ in his resurrection from the dead. And he is ruling and reigning, and yet we live in the overlap of these two ages. But there's coming a day when this world age will be ended and the rule and reign of Christ will be on this earth. 
We are waiting for the Lord's return. The old age will disappear and the new age will be consummated. But right now we live in this here, in this age. And the kingdom is here, but it's not fully yet known. But it will be known. We are to pray. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ is coming again. Amen. Now notice what he says in chapter 13, verse number 11. Since you know the time, it's already the hour for you to wake up from sleep because now our salvation is nearer than when we first begun. Now notice what he says, verse 12. The night is nearly over. The night is far spent is literally what it means. It means the night's almost done. The night's running out of time. Night's days are almost over. They're numbered. And the end of evil is nearly over. The night is nearly over. The day is here. Notice what it says. We need to know what time it is. What time of day it is. It says the day is here. The day is a Hebraism, actually. The day is at hand. It's upon us. It's right here. The day of the Lord, when there'll be no more night, and the Lord will rule and reign. In 2 Peter chapter number 1, we're going to be looking at several scripture verses today. 2 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 19. Second Peter chapter 1, in verse number 19, listen to God's word. We have a prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you do well to pay attention to it. As to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. We are looking for the day, the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody here looking forward to Jesus Christ coming again? Amen. How many of y'all believe that Christ is coming again? Amen. He is coming again. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus Christ is coming again. And he's coming with power and authority to rule and to reign. And uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Listen to God's word. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 5, beginning with verse number 1. About the times and seasons, brothers and sisters, you need no need, you do not need anything to be written to you. You yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come, just like a thief in the night. When they say peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the dark for this day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. My friends, you're not children of the darkness, you're children of the light. And we need to be living for the Lord. Why? Because salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Amen. Every day, we are closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. Every day, you're closer and closer to the end of your life. And the Bible speaks of time and our salvation with different tenses regarding salvation. 
The Bible says you are saved or you have been saved. That means you've been justified by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So it's proper to say, I have been saved. But the second thing that we understand is that you are being saved. And it's proper to say, I'm being saved. Because not only you're justified, you are being sanctified. Meaning God is still work at you. Aren't you glad God's still working on you? Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, God's still working on you. You see, you're a work on pro- in progress, all right? You are a work in progress. He is working in you. Tell your neighbor, you're a piece of work. You see, God's doing a job on you. He's changing you, transforming you. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. Amen. And so we are being sanctified. But not only that, we shall be saved, meaning that Jesus Christ will consummate and complete what he began in us, and we will be glorified. We'll be with the Lord forever and ever. And so these different tenses help us understand our salvation. So we were justified, saved from the penalty of sin. We are sanctified, being saved from the power of sin, and we, we are glorified, and we will be rescued from the presence of sin. We will be with the Lord forever and ever. Y'all believe that today? I want to encourage you today. My King Jesus wins, and it ought to change the way I live. When you think that we're defeated, you go around with your head down all the time thinking we're just living in this old sorry world and there's no hope. Listen, King Jesus is not wringing his hands today. And he's coming again. I'd like to read some scripture to you, if you don't mind. I'm going to read it if you do mind. In 2 Peter chapter number 3, if you have your Bible, you can follow along. Not all of these scripture verses will be on the screen today. And I'll tell you, I just think it's important. When we gather together to hear God's word, we ought to read God's word and hear it together. Now listen to 2 Peter chapter number 3, beginning with verse number 9. Or I'll begin with verse 8. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Did you know God doesn't keep time the way you do? He does it in light of eternity. Not our short little window of time here. And the Lord does not delay his promise. Is God ever late? No, he's never late. He's always on time. In verse number nine, the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay. But he's patient with you. Not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a loud voice. The elements will burn and be dissolved. And the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it's clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements melt with heat. But based on this promise, we wait 
for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Aren't you glad God has a plan for a brand new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells? That's the work of King Jesus. And he's waiting. But he's coming. And we ought to be diligent and alive and alert and awake and knowing what the time is. Amen. Christ is coming, King Jesus. Therefore, we need to be loving one another. Therefore, we need to be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone who listens. Therefore, we need to be loving people. Therefore, we need to be speaking the truth. Therefore, we need to be alert and awake doing what God's called us to do. Now look at this text again today. He says not only do we need to know the hour, know the time, but he tells us in verse number 11, it's time for you to wake up from your sleep. Warren Wiersbe outlines this text. It's time to wake up and it's time to clean up. Well, indeed it is. He says it's time to wake up from our sleep. Verse number 11. So let's be aware When you're alert, when you're awake, you're aware of what's going on and how God is at work. Now, Jesus said a lot about this. Look with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 24, beginning with verse number 36. Do you have your copy of God's Word? Look at it with me. Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 36. Now concerning the day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son except the Father alone. As in the days of Noah, as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. What was it like in the days of Noah? In those days before the flood, they were what? Eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding grain at a hand mill. One will be taken, one left. Verse 42, mark it. Therefore, you be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But know this. If the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, he would have stayed alert not let his house be broken into. This is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Jesus is coming, and we're to live in constant readiness and anticipation that Christ is coming again. A schoolmaster was teaching a bunch of preparatory boys in school in England one day. And he was talking about the coming again of Christ. And he said to the boys, he said, you need to be prepared for the coming again of Christ. Have you prepared your souls for the coming of Christ? The boys kind of didn't even pay attention to him. He said to him, do you think Christ will come again today? And one of the boys piped up and he said, no, not today. He said, in an hour that you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We need to be prepared. He is coming. Now, I want to ask you this question. If Jesus Christ were to come again, let's say that Jesus is coming today. 
at midnight tonight, this whole world's going to be consummated and the kingdom of God is coming. And Jesus Christ is coming again. What would you do? And this is a serious question. What would you do if you knew Christ were coming today? Who would you forgive? What would you do that you know you need to make right? Who would you witness to? We need to live every day ready. Because Jesus, our Savior, is coming again. I'm telling you, one of the things lost in our church world today is living in the constant expectation and anticipation that Jesus Christ is coming. Amen? We not only need to be aware of how he's at work, and awake, but we need to be alert. We need to be alert. Listen close. Uh, in my car, not my truck, but in my car, there's some modern technology that is new for me. First of all, it has lane assist stuff in my car, meaning I can set the cruise control. And when I'm driving it, it has like bumpers. Like if I get too close to the edge, it shakes the wheel on my car. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And if I get too close to a car, it puts on the brakes and slows my car down. It's kind of weird. Also, if I'm driving and I take my hands off the wheel, a signal comes on the dash and says, put both hands on the wheel. How does it know? But it also has something else programmed in it. And I think Christy put this in there. It says, driver alert. You're not paying attention. Stop and get a cup of coffee. Rest right now. You're not paying attention. You need, we need a spiritual alert on the dashboard of our life. We need to pay active attention in the world in which we live. In Matthew's, in Mark's gospel, chapter 13. Mark's gospel, chapter number 13. Beginning with verse number 32. Now concerning that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert. You don't know when the time's coming. It's like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper, be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or midnight or the crowing of the rooster or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. 
These are some of the last words Jesus gave us. Be awake, be alert, be active, be busy doing God's work. Because he's coming again. I went to a restaurant the other day. Went inside the restaurant, had a seat. There were several people inside the restaurant. Nobody was serving. Nobody was waiting. Nobody was filling drinks. Nobody was taking orders. I looked around after a little while and wondered what was going on, and I saw some employees, and they were over in the corner texting on their phone. I saw another employee, a waitress, and she was outside having an argument, I think, with a family member on the cell phone. And then I kind of looked around after a while and wondered, well, what's going on? And I walked back to the back, and I found the assistant manager back there, and he was sitting in front of a computer playing a computer game. I looked around for the cooks, and there were no cooks, and they were back behind the building smoking cigarettes. And I found the manager, and he was drunk, sitting in his car. And I said to the manager, hey, man, there's a restaurant full of people, and there's nobody helping, nobody serving, nobody cooking. Where's the owner of this place? He said, well, the owner's gone to California. He left us in charge. I said, well, what kind of business is this? He said, it's not my business. It's his. Who cares? That's kind of the parable that Jesus told. What puts us to sleep? I think we get distracted by this world and the things that seem so important to us in this world and the world says important, is important, makes us asleep to the things of God. The values of the world, the world's agenda is not the Lord's agenda. I think we're asleep because we don't believe the importance of the gospel. And we don't really believe that he's coming again. And I suspect some are asleep because they don't really know him. It is not only time to wake up It is time to dress up. Notice what he says in this passage of Scripture. Listen to what Paul says. The night's nearly over, the day's near. Let's discard the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. He said we need to put off some things, indecent things. We need to discard, disrobe, cast off the old grave clothes of the old life we need to get rid of. First Peter chapter 2 says, Therefore, rid yourselves, put aside 
all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Take them off. Put them aside. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Take off your former manner of life and old self that's corrupted by deceitful desires. And verse 25, putting away lines, speak the truth each to his neighbor because we're members of one another. You need to put off that old life, discard those old robes that you used to wear, and you need to put on new robes. So put off, and then he says, put on. Put on what? You don't put on darkness, but put on the armor of light. Don't live in the darkness. He describes some of this as indecency. Verse 13, let us walk with decency in the daytime. Then he says, verse 13, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual impurity and promiscuity, not in quarreling and jealousy. Paul uses three doublets here, or couplets, to talk about the uh, ways not to live, things to cast off. First of all, cast off carousing and drunkenness. He said, don't be controlled by substances. Don't be controlled by your cravings. Don't be controlled by your anger. Don't let other things control your life. Secondly, put aside sexual sin, promiscuity, sensuality. The word that's translated there, promiscuity, is uh, literally the word chambering. It means unlawful sex, sex outside marriage. Sex is a beautiful, glorious, wonderful gift. But it's for marriage. It's between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And if you think sexual sin isn't important, you're gravely wrong. Sexual sin goes to the very heart of your life. And it's destructive. Amen. And dishonoring to God. Amen. And then the other word is wantonness, sensuality. It's licentiousness. It means shamelessness. That even shocks all decency. And then he says discord. Strife and jealousy. Infighting. Controlling. Jealousy. Poisoning relationships. He said, put that junk off. That's the old life. And put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how do I put on? Not grave, take off the grave clothes, put on the grace clothes. Put on the Lord Jesus, the armor of light. The light defeats the darkness. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4.24, and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. So, question, how do I do this? I'm glad you asked. 
First of all, listen to me. You've been born again. I want to say that again, and if you agree, would you say amen? You've been born again. Amen. Born from above. Amen. Born of the Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is working in you. You don't have to live that old life. You're a new creation. Created, dead to the old life, raised to a new life. That's the picture of your baptism. And so you say, Pastor, then how do I? First of all, as a born-again believer, the Spirit of God dwells in you. He wants to lead you, guide you. When you take in the Word of God, it helps and aids the Spirit because He speaks to you. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. His Word helps and strengthens us. But you can know the Bible but not walk right before God. My friends, you've got to keep in step with the Spirit. Prioritize your relationship with Jesus Christ. Obey the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. That means you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking in you. Not only that, you need to prioritize the assembling together with other believers. We all need one another. And we are to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Amen. I haven't preached for a long time, so I've got a lot to say. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to clean up. It's time for us to dress up and put on the Lord Jesus and live as in the armor of light in this decayed world. Man, here's the deal. We can preach against the darkness all day long, but they're not listening. We need to be instruments of light in this dark world. You, 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 you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a lamp and put it under a lampstand, um, under a bushel. Instead, they put it on a lampstand that all may see. Let your light so shine before men that they may see by your good works and glorify God who's in heaven. We have nothing to do with the darkness. And the darkness is just darkness. But you know what we do? Let's live as children of light. And the light wins victoriously in this world. And you say, Brother Tim, then what is that light? I'm glad you asked. It's love. Love for God. Love for Jesus. Love for one another. And love for our enemies. Look with me to the text, the context of this passage, Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Do not owe anyone anything except to love one another. For the one who loves 
another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other commandment are summed up by this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. When we love as God's children in this world, the light shines. And it's the most powerful force in all the universe. The love that God has given us. Love always wins. Love is the most powerful weapon at our disposal. You say, how can I love? You can only love by God's Spirit working in you. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't love. You can't love loudly in this world if you're not abiding in Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is how we know love. In 1 John... In chapter number four, beginning with verse number seven, we're about done. Stay with me. In 1 John chapter four, beginning with verse number seven, dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves, now listen, has been born of God and knows God and the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. And God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. And love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. This is the most powerful truth. He said, put on the armor of light. This week I went to the specialist office in St. Louis at St. Louis University. And I'm working with a concussion specialist, and uh, it was my second visit there. And so when I uh, came in, uh, the doctor came in the office, he, uh, he walked in, he said, uh, Mr. Lewis, and then he stopped, and he said, it's Pastor Lewis, isn't it? I said, yes. He said, Pastor, um, I want to talk to you about your brain. And so we visited for a while, and he talked about some medicine and exercises and this and that. And then I said, I, uh, Doctor, I just want to ask you a question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And he looked at me and he said, um, 
I do. I said in the second question, are you living for him? And he said, uh, I am not. And I said, then your problem's greater than mine. But God can change your life. Amen. And he said, will you pray for me? I said, I will. I left that room, and there were two nurses waiting for me to schedule my next appointment. And one of them said, her name is Monica. She said, Pastor Lewis, you're back here again. I said, yeah. She said, you hadn't fallen anymore, have you? I said, no. I said, and she said, she introduced me to her friend. She shook my head and gave me a hug. And I said, where'd your girls go to Easter? And they said, they told me they were, they went to worship Easter. I said, what'd you have to eat? And they talked about what they ate. And then I was sitting there for, and I got kind of dizzy. And they said, sit here in the chair. They sat down by us and I told them a little bit about Jerry and how Jerry had died. And I had a funeral the next day, this week. And the girl said, Pastor, I got a question for you. I said, okay. Do you believe there's an appointed time that everybody has to die? Amen. <laughs> well, what, a, what kind of opening is that? You could drive a Mack truck through that opening to witness. <laughs> and I said, I do. The Bible says it's appointed for man who wants to die and after this judgment. Amen. I said, but every evil thing isn't necessarily the will of God. There's all kinds of evil that happens in this world. Amen. And I said, that isn't from the Lord. But I'll tell you one thing, even when that evil happens, it doesn't trump a sovereign God who wins in this world. And they started listening. And I, I don't know, I got to kind of preaching right there for just a second. And we walked through Psalm 23 together and prayed with those girls. And they said, we can't wait for your next appointment. And there was light all in that office. I didn't bring the light. Well, I kind of did. But I did it because I was obeying Jesus. Amen. I'd like to tell you I always live that way, and I don't. Unfortunately, also this week, I got aggravated, and my flesh raised its ugly head. Amen. I was at a convenience store, and the little credit card chip reader wasn't working right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I got aggravated. And the person told me, running the, the clerk, said, well, you got a defective card. I said, no, you got a defective machine. <laughs> I've run that card all over town today. And you guys know that, but you're too lazy to fix it. <laughs> and he said, you're right. I won the debate. But when I got in the car, I knew I was wrong. Because you can win the debate but you didn't give them light, you gave them darkness. Amen. Put off 
the darkness and put on the armor of light. My friends, the day's drawing near. Yes, it is. And it's now is the time to be the people of God. Amen. Amen. God help us. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It is true. It's transformative. And I pray that, Father, today, as your spirit is speaking, that we would not ignore, that we would not hit the snooze button and go back to sleep, but that we would wake up and repent and cast off darkness and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.